Hey guys, it's Mr. Harmon for Wednesday, May 13th, 2020. This is U.S. History Notes for Chapter 28, Section 1. Um, the first term issues of President Trump. Uh, just as a reminder, the notes are online as well as this recording. Uh, there will be a notes quiz online that will cover Chapter 27 and 28. And there is an attendance check-in that is online today as well. Um, also, as a reminder, this is the last day of notes. Guys, we've done it. We've made it. We're at the end. So with that, let's go ahead and get to the notes. All right, so what we're starting with here is the election of 2016 because this is a rather unusual election. In fact, it's only the fifth time in all of U.S. history that we've had an election like this. So in 2016, we've got uh, two prominent candidates that are running, um, although they're kind of unusual candidates um, given what we've seen in the past three or four elections, you'd say. So the Republicans are going to run um, a political unknown um, what I mean by that is this is a person that's never held a political office. It's a person that's never been in the military. And historically speaking, if you look at all presidents throughout U.S. history, every single one of them has either held a political office or has been in the military. Um, now, that being said, um, this is a very famous candidate. People know him. They know his face. They know his voice. Um, that being obviously Donald Trump. Um, so he is a celebrity, but not a political or military celebrity like uh, political parties would usually be running. Um, furthermore, he has very mixed history um, of supporting both the Democrats and the Republicans. Now, um, the thought process is potentially this means he has wide appeal. Um, the Democrats might vote for him and Republicans might vote for him. On the other side, Democrats are running Hillary Clinton. Um, she is recently coming off a loss in 2008, running against uh, Obama for the Democrat candidacy. Um, and she is going to controversially beat out Bernie Sanders. Um, and I say controversially there because there are questions about if she forced her way into a victory in the party or if the party kind of maneuvered a specific way to force Sanders out because Sanders didn't line up with the party values. Anywho, we've got um, Donald Trump for the Republicans and Hillary Clinton for the Democrats. Now, this election is not, unfortunately, going to be very clean. Um, what I mean by that is it's going to be riddled with uh, hate messages, um, hate mongering, gotcha schemes, and unfortunately, as a historian and as a political uh, scientist person, um, very, very little actual political message is going to be pushed from either side in this election. It's rare to hear Trump or Clinton talk about what they actually politically plan to do. It's a lot of, he, sh he said this, she said this, he did this, she did that. And unfortunately, that doesn't mean a whole lot, uh, politically speaking. Regardless of all of that nonsense, um, we are going to see a very weird mixed result here um, in this election. And actually, it's only the fifth time in all of U.S. history we've seen this happen. So for the popular vote, Clinton will win the popular vote, 48.2% versus Trump's 46.1%. However, we know the popular vote doesn't matter. It's the Electoral College that matters. And in the Electoral College, Trump will win 304 votes versus Clinton's 227 votes. So, the winner is the loser, the loser is the winner. Only the fifth time in all of U.S. history that that has happened. 
That being said, this is now the second time in the 2000s that a Republican presidential candidate has lost the popular vote and yet still become president. This is the exact same scenario that happened for Bush in 2000 when he ran versus Al Gore. So kind of a weird situation that we got going on here. The next section that we're looking at, and this is a big chunk of the majority of what we're looking at in this whole section, is the domestic policy issues of President Trump in this first term. Um, so realistically speaking here, there's a lot we could look at, but there are five things that we are going to focus on here for domestic policy in the past four years. Um, dating back to kind of some of his earlier stuff to some more recent things. Uh, so the first thing, and this was a, a big controversial one, was the travel ban executive orders uh, when President Trump first comes in. So on January 27th, uh, 2017, this is uh, two, three weeks into him taking office, Trump is going to create Executive Order 13769, um, and this is going to be a travel ban on citizens of countries that we say are in unstable um, situations. Um, so this is going to include several countries, um, Iraq, Iran, Syria, Libya, Somalia, Yemen, and Sudan. Now, the theme is that all of these countries are supposedly unstable. What a lot of people are going to see is that all of these countries are Muslim predominant populations. In other words, what a lot of people see is this looks like a ban on Muslim countries coming to the U.S. Now, the message from the president is that is not the case. It was that these countries were unstable. And if you look at these countries, for the most part, all of them are unstable. But understand how it did look um, to a lot of people as well, is it looked like a Muslim ban. Um, that being said, this gets challenged in federal courts, um, and it will be held up in federal courts as a ban on Muslims, not a ban on unstable countries. So by September 24th, 2017, um, President Trump will redo this executive order and will remove Iraq and Sudan, but then will add in North Korea and Chad. And when he adds in those two countries, um, it's no longer necessarily a ban on Muslim countries, but a ban on quote-unquote unstable countries. And this one will be upheld by the Supreme Court. So at the moment, there is a travel ban on Iran, Syria, Libya, Somalia, Yemen, North Korea, and Chad to the U.S. Now, along with the executive order that is banning travel from um, some of these countries, um, President Trump is also going to start to push back against DACA um, or the Dreamers program. That would be the deferred Give me one second here. The Deferred Action for Children Arrivals Program. Sorry about that. Um, basically, this was a program that was created um, to take care of kids that had come over with their parents illegally. Um, so not that we just, uh, we're going to force out the parents, but um, we're kind of being more gentle with the kids on forcing them out or kind of allowing them to stay in the U.S. Um, President Trump is very much pushing against having those kids in the U.S. Uh, and this has been kind of a mixed situation here where, um, he was trying to force them out and then people were fighting to keep them here. And so we put them in temporary sites, um, and the temporary sites were not the best. Um, and so, um, I don't know if any of you saw these or not, but this is where kids were for a little while being held in cages, um, or, or a little better than cages. Um, and that has rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Um, but, but 
DACA still exists at the moment, but it's a very controversial existence at the moment. Um, the second big program we have here is the deregulation policy. Um, this is something that dates back to Carter, to Reagan, to Bush, to Clinton, to Bush, to Obama. Everybody's been deregulating a little bit, um, but we're really going to see mass deregulation under President Trump. So on January 30th, 2017, he'll pass Executive Order 1377-1. Um, and essentially, this is going to mass increase deregulation. So we are going to basically say for each new rule that we create, each new regulation we create, we have to get rid of two previous rules or regulations. Um, basically, the idea here was that we wanted to try and help big business. We wanted to try and help the economy grow. So we're going to try and remove a lot of the rules that controlled the economy. That being said, what we have seen is this has really limited um, OSHA, um, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, and the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, um, in their rules because for every new rule they create, they have to delete two rules. Um, so it has made businesses a bit riskier, um, a bit more dangerous, but it has helped the economy grow. Um, so there is positives uh, to this. Third big issue that we have is the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. This was the big, the big act that um, kind of put the president's name on the map, so to speak. Like this was the big one that Republicans were all excited about, that the, the president was excited about. Um, essentially, this was a giant tax cut program for all classes. Now, the upper class got the biggest cuts, maybe not percentage wise, but in terms of money wise, they got the biggest cuts. Um, however, the absolute biggest cut didn't come to any class, but it came to corporate taxes. Um, and corporate taxes saw a 21% cut in the US. Now the thought process was we were hoping that this tax cut would incentivize corporations to either come back to the US or um, maybe invest more in the US or at least be less involved in other countries. Um, but the thought process was we were hoping tax cuts like this would, would create a trickle-down effect, very similar to like Reaganomics um, or what Bush uh, Sr. had done after Reagan uh, left office. Um, the idea to cut taxes on the upper class, cut taxes on big business, and hope that that money would trickle down to the lower class with better pay, better benefits. And we have yet to see that really happen, um, but there has been uh, some positive uh, reinvestment of those tax cuts, I guess you would say. And on the negative side of things, understand that the potential downside of cutting taxes is that they're also cutting their own budget. Now, the government's not making a plan to cut their spending. They are making a plan, though, here to be cutting how much they're bringing in, um, meaning that they're still going to spend. They just have less to spend with, but they're still going to spend the same amount of money. And so ultimately, this is going to mean debt. And it's also going to potentially mean if a disaster strikes, like the coronavirus in 2020, then massive stimulus spending is going to have to be done, which is going to mean massive debt. So potentially a big problem there. Fourth big issue that we have here is the impeachment trials of 2019. Um, obviously, uh, this takes a lot of time and attention of a lot of people. Um, but in late 2019, we're going to have two charges of impeachment brought against the president, um, one being abuse of power and the other being obstruction of justice. Um, so they're brought against the president over his supposed involvement in an investigation into um, Joe Biden and his son from the government of Ukraine, possibly with a quid 
pro quo or a withholding of money um, if they do not do the investigation. Um, so it was an issue of, um, did the president try and force another country to get involved in the 2020 election, or did he not do that? Um, ultimately, Congress is going to say they think he did do that, and that's why they are impeaching him here. Um, so of the two uh, uh, charges, the House will officially impeach uh, the president on December 18, 2019, and this pretty much follows directly along uh, party lines. So the Democrats impeach, the Republicans do not impeach. Um, and it's more or less right along party lines. Um, we then go to Senate, and in Senate, um, they will uh, vote again, for the most part, along party lines on February 5th, 2020, to acquit him on both charges. So the president is impeached in the House, he is not impeached in Senate. Now, while that is important, while that is nice, that is not, not, is not really what you should be paying attention to. What you should be paying attention to is the controversy that exists here. And that is that the House does not really have an actual trial on the impeachment. And they don't have a trial because the president blocks any witnesses from testifying from the White House on this case. Furthermore, when the case does get to Senate, who has a little bit more power, they don't actually hold a trial themselves because they're going to claim it's not their job to hold the trial, it should have been on the House. And so ultimately, the bigger thing I want you to understand here is that neither the House nor the Senate really has the trial they should be having to figure out whether the president actually broke laws or not. And that is because the president blocks that trial from really happening. And so this be has become a bigger issue of, does the president have the right to block trials against him? And in that case, can the president actually be impeached? That's a very controversial thing because then it kind of gives the president full immunity to do whatever the president wants to do, which is a scary thing to think about. Anywho, fifth big issue that we've got here, the obvious one that we're still uh, involved in right now, is the coronavirus or COVID-19 outbreak. So little background, which you should already know. In late 2019, a new world virus is going to start in Wuhan uh, City in China, um, believed to have been spread from an animal, sp specifically we think the bat, to humans, and then become tr transmissible between humans. Um, we're not 100% for sure on this, but we believe it's aerosol-based. Um, so if you cough, if you sneeze, it's in the air, it will spread to other people if they're within um, six feet of you, possibly, and breathing it in, possibly. Or if it gets um, um, on their skin or on something that they then put in their mouth or nose or eyes. So anywho, um, the virus originally hits the U.S. in January 2020, we believe. Um, it is um, slowly spreading to the U.S. whenever we uh, learn about it. And President Trump will, will actually have a very good response to this originally, initially, um, by shutting down all um, travel from China to the U.S. Now, this doesn't stop the spreading of the virus, but it does delay it in getting to the U.S. Uh, now, in this period where we could be potentially acting, um, this is where we get into the controversy because there's not really a lot done from the federal government. Um, the federal government is very slow and, and directs its feet very much to react to the virus um, in that little two, three, four week window that we have here where the virus is slowly coming into the U.S. Um, really what we're going to see is it becomes more of a state issue. Each individual state is going to 
kind of do what it wants to do, and we don't really have national direction coming from the president. Now, don't get me wrong, there is a, um, a White House task force um, created to deal with this, um, although they don't, again, really put any lockdown or regulations in place. Um, more or less, it is on the states to decide things. And you will see some states go into full lockdown, some states barely do anything at all. Um, as a result, in mid-May 2020, where we're at right now, we see that the U.S. has both the highest infection rate and the highest death rate in the world, with 1.4 million infections in the U.S. and 83,000 deaths in the U.S. Um, the debate as of mid-May 2020 is when do we reopen? When do we reopen states? When do we reopen the economy? When do we reopen the nation? And again, the problem is we don't really have a national message. Um, there's not exactly like a timeline from the president or from the federal government on what we should be doing. However, it's kind of been left up to the states. And in some cases, it's been left up to the counties. Um, so if you pay attention just yesterday, um, Madison County, where Marquette is located, just announced that they are opening today. Um, now, this is defying what the uh, state of Illinois has said. It's uh, defying what Governor Pritzker has said. And so there is some suggestion that the president, or I'm sorry, not the president, the governor, may be withholding state and federal funds to the uh, uh, county of Madison um, as a result of them not following um, the state's ideas on when they should reopen. So it'd be interesting to see how that kind of plays out here, but that's where we're at with coronavirus. And that's where we're at with uh, domestic policy. Last section that we have here is uh, some foreign policy issues, and these are kind of quick, um, but they are nonetheless important um, in kind of defining uh, where we're at with President Trump. Um, that being said, as I mentioned with uh, Obama's foreign policy, pretty much everything that Obama does is going to be undone by President Trump, and that's kind of what we're going to look at here. Whether that be good, whether that be bad, it is what it is. Um, so the six issues that we have here. Um, first of all, we have the Paris Agreement withdrawal. Um, on June 1st, 2017, President Trump is going to announce the U.S. is backing out of the Paris Agreement about reducing emissions. Um, he is going to do this on the claim that we are not responsible in the U.S. for the rest of the world's emission problems. Now understand we are the second or third biggest emission producer in the world, and so yes, it is technically our problem, but he's going to basically claim um, you deal with it how you want to deal with it, we're going to deal with it how we want to deal with it, and we're not dealing with it. Um, he is also going to claim that the science and the proof is lacking on climate change, and therefore there's no reason for us to be doing this. Second big foreign policy issue that we have are our Cuban relations issue. So on June 16th, 2017, President Trump is going to claim that the U.S. is going to back out of the Obama-Cuba relations deal that we had. Um, and then in November 2017, he is going to restart relations with Cuba under his policy, which is going to include tighter trade regulations, tighter control over who can travel to the country, and limited visits between Cuban and U.S. citizens in Cuba and in the U.S. Third big foreign policy issue we have is the Israeli-Palestinian issue. So on December 6, 2017, President Trump is going to announce that the U.S. is officially recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Now, after he does this, this is now only the second country in the world to recognize this, the other country being Israel, which recognizes this. And that is because in 1946, 
all of the countries in the United Nations got together and said, no one, no one in the world will have Jerusalem as their capital. Jerusalem will be an international holy city because we do not want countries to go to war over having Jerusalem as their capital. Um, so this has been seen as a negative thing from basically the whole rest of the world, but especially the Middle East because they're upset to think that the U.S. is officially recognizing um, Israel has control over Jerusalem whenever everyone should have um, control or no control over Jerusalem. Fourth big issue we have is the North Korea denuclearization issue. Um, guys, this was such an awesome thing when we thought it was going to happen, but it's now kind of up in the air. So in April 2018, um, the U.S. was making inroads into a deal with North Korea where they would denuclearize, which would be awesome because they have a crazy government and a crazy leader, and in trade, we would end economic sanctions on North Korea. So they could trade with the rest of the world if they got rid of their nuclear program. Um, so President Trump in um, late 2018 actually traveled to the demilitarization zone between North and South Korea to meet with Kim Jong-un. We thought peace was going to happen. Unfortunately, they didn't want to be the first to move. We didn't want to be the first to move. And so we're still kind of in a stalled out deal right now. Um, they have continued their nuclear program. They are continuing to test nukes and to test missiles. Um, but there are hopes that in the future we might get get them to denuclearize. So that would be awesome if it happens. It unfortunately hasn't happened yet. Fifth big one we have is the um, kind of continuation of the Afghan war um, and working towards peace there. So this could be an awesome one. In 2017-18, the U.S. announced we, are, we were increasing troop presence in Afghanistan. And we were increasing bombing of Taliban hotspots. Um, in Afghanistan, hoping to fully defeat the Taliban. Um, in mid-2019, we announced that we were successfully starting peace talks with the Taliban. Unfortunately, there's been a little bit of an issue of when we started peace talks with the Taliban, we kind of upset the existing Afghan government, which we are at peace with. Um, so, so it's been a little contentious trying to make peace between the current Afghan government and the Taliban who do not get along with each other. And then the U.S. has kind of been like the middleman working that. Um, so if this does come to fruition, if we do get peace in Afghanistan, would be so cool. Um, it's, just, it's just a process of trying to work it out right now. The sixth and final issue is the Iran nuclear deal issue. Um, so on May 8, 2018, President Trump announced that the U.S. would be pulling out of the Iran nuclear deal. Now, China, Russia, the U.K., and France are still in the deal. Um, however, we did kind of threaten those countries that if they didn't pull out, we were going to take actions against them. So anyway, we say we're pulling out of the deal um, because we don't trust that Iran is holding up their end of the bargain. We think Iran is still producing nukes. We don't know that, but we think they may be. So we pull out of the deal and we put sanctions back on Iran and we say anybody that continues to trade with Iran will put sanctions on you. Um, so Iran kind of just takes this, this, this punch on the chin for a year. They start to struggle economically and then in 2019 they announce if they're going to have sanctions put on us, we're going to go back to doing nukes. So in 2019, they started to go back to their nuclear program. And the U.S. was like, oh, ho, ho, they're doing nukes again, which is almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. We said, we think they're doing nukes, so we punished them. While they were punished, they decided, well, hell with it, we might as well go back to making nukes. They went back to making nukes, and then we claimed we were right all along. Um, yes and no, it's kind of controversial to say we're right. It's also kind of controversial to say we're wrong, um, but it is what it is. We're no longer in the Iran nuclear deal and they've gone back to making nukes.
And that's where we're going to go ahead and inform policy, and that's where we're going to go ahead and end notes for the day. guys so that is going to end our day our semester and our year again that was chapter 28 the trump administration section one first term issues of president trump this was notes for wednesday may 13th 2020 um, the notes will be online as well as this recording there will be a note quiz online and an attendance check-in online guys it has been my pleasure to be with you this year i hope that you enjoyed the year i hope you enjoyed the class i hope that i see you again in the fall this summer please stay safe be smart wash your hands wear a face mask social distance all right guys with that have a good one i will hopefully see you next fall <music>